Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of A Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, you know, the you know thing that we are. Sorry, I'm a little rusty. Uh, another episode of Small Council Radio. Um, tonight, we're going to be talking about the leaks that had happened while I was kind of away. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Watch Marshall both versions, the attachment and uh, unit solo. We're going to be talking about the War Mammoth and then the Mother of Dragons uh, box set that comes with Danny uh, and uh, the dragons in there. Um, I'm excited to be back to, you know, with the show and to bring you guys another episode. I, I apologize for all the, you know, shows I missed, but where I was at, I just had no good way to do the show. Uh, funny thing was, is that while I was gone, you know, where I was at, you know, I could have done the show had I been able to find a place that wasn't so loud, but it was so noisy that all I could do is kind of, uh, help set up the show and then kind of listen on. Um, but I appreciate my co-hosts for being able to take it away and, uh, cover a bunch of topics that uh, we've been trying to get at for a while. And I also apologize for last week. Um, we had planned to do it on the normal day, and then a lot of things came up. And then we had planned to do uh, a makeup show sometime later in the week. But again, we just nothing really kind of worked out, and do, things were hectic. I was uh, a lot of things were happening last second uh, while I was deployed to the hurricane, um, and. Uh, they didn't really give us any details until last minute, and so uh, it was hard to, like, plan anything. But we're back now. Uh, I don't plan to miss any more shows. Still going to be on every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, for those that can't make us live, uh, we are on a song of ice and fire guild.com, uh where you can find us and a bunch of other content creators' content, um, ranging from uh, just articles to battle video and article form uh you can find our podcast and other podcasts and a bunch of other content uh some tools uh such as a song of ice and fire stats.com definitely go check that out you can also find us on uh, the main site that we do this on a uh, blogtalkradio.com as well as itunes spotify stitcher TuneIn, and google play so definitely uh you know I'm sure uh, you can find us on any one of those. And then if there happens to be another one that we're not on, go ahead and, uh, if you could, join our Discord. I'll send a new link uh, in our Facebook page for our Discord. And then on there you can give show uh, suggestions as well as if you want to suggest some uh, some new platforms for us to put our content on because we're not really concerned about finding all, you know, getting all of our, you know, all of you guys listening to us in one place, that would be nice, but really we're just, you know, we're trying to get our content out there. So if there's another site that we can put it on that will get us some more, uh, some more of you guys to be able to listen, definitely, uh, you know, join our discord and then give that suggestion and we'll see what we can do about that. Um, but yeah, without further ado, we'll jump right into this. Uh, the first thing that we're going to kind of go with uh, or talk about is the, watch Marshall. Uh, we'll talk to you about the attachment uh, first. Let's see if I can find it here. My pictures are all out of order. Um, so for the watch Marshall attachment, uh, I don't believe we know of a point cost yet. 
but uh, it is a cavalry attachment for Night's Watch, which it has uh, unbreakable vows, so they may have up to two attached vows, and order quickfire. After this unit completes a maneuver or retreat action, they may make one free ranged attack action. So, as it is, uh, if, unless I'm mistaken, this will only be in um, Night's Watch uh, Ranger Trackers. There is not another ranged, uh, there's not another Night's Watch Cavalry to take advantage of the Unbreakable Vows, and there's not another ranged unit for Night's Watch, or Cavalry ranged unit for Night's Watch to take care of the, uh, to take advantage of the quick fire. Um, really, uh, that kind of narrows down the combinations with this guy for now. I'm sure there's going to be something uh, in the future for this guy, but as it is, uh, I mean, one point, I think he's he's almost blatantly broken. Uh, what do you think, uh, uh, Brett? Uh, yeah, I, I think if he's one point, I, I think that everybody would find the the point to add him to their ranger trackers. I would expect two would be my speculation. Um, even in a Night's Watch army, it's it can be kind of difficult to find two points, but I firmly believe that this attachment will find its way into a lot of lists. Uh, depending on who you ask, the most experienced Night's Watch players, uh, their opponents will tell you that it was their Ranger trackers that, that gave them the most fits. That was the unit that was the hardest to really rein in. And uh, I think having quick fire and the unbreakable vows, it's going to be really, really, really tough to, uh, to break them. They're, they're a little bit harder to kill than you think. I actually just played in the 50-point event. My opponent, Griffin, who's from Mythico Studios with our friend Nick and Chris, uh, he played seven Ranger Trackers at 50 points <laughs> with Awful Yarwick, Barris, and Bowen Marsh. And I'm not going to lie, I brought my super aggressive Rob Stark list, and we played to a tie, and I just barely won on tiebreakers. That army is brutal. I don't know how I would have dealt with it if I had any army but Starks uh, to be able to get some really heavy hits, make some deep charges on them because they are so hard to catch. But I, I think in an awful Yarwick list, if you think about it, these guys essentially getting two shots because if you maneuver up, take your free shot, you've probably maneuvered up to be in range for the second shot. So it's almost like two shots in a row. So think of them as having 14 shots you're vulnerable for at, for one of them. And bringing in Awful's cards, you know, you can play Mighty Enhancement to get re-rolls and critical blows. He was consistently doing seven to nine hits with that card. Uh, you've got the card that gives Vicious, and then you've got the card that gives Sundering Precision. Uh, either a repeated card, you know, I could see double-tapping Serrated Enhancement for Vicious on both shots. I could also see... Um, double-tapping Mighty Enhancement, or even the Thundering, depending on what you're shooting into. It's going to be really, really gross. But the other thing to keep in mind is they get the, the free shift both times. So they're kind of like Ranger Trackers with twice as many shots and with an extra two inches of shifting to potentially shoot your flank, and then with the two shifts, they might get you in the rear on that second shot. So... I'm pretty excited to use them out. Uh, I don't think it's exclusively in an awful list, 
but they are going to be super fun. Uh, the attachment looks really cool. It's going to be tough. Uh, Night's Watch is already kind of a low activation army. And, uh, and then, so finding the two more points is going to be a little bit more difficult unless you're using conscripts, which I'm kind of warming up to the idea of them anyway. But, uh, you could go like hyper elite and put your commander and veteran, bring a unit of those with the attachment, bring a unit of sworn brothers, bring a regular unit of ranger trackers, and then you can still squeeze in 11 points in NCUs, but, uh, or ho- however you want to play it. I mean, you don't have to run three NCUs, but uh, I think that, I think it'll see the table. I think there's no doubt that this attachment is going to see the table, whether it'll be exclusively an awful list, or if guys are going to squeeze them in, you know, with maybe double ranger trackers, we shall see. But I think the damage that they bring is going to be devastating with that double shot. Oh, and alternatively, I actually use my ranger trackers to charge. They're not, like, horrible in close combat when they're at full rank. I had six attacks sitting on fours. It's not the best, but they, if you have to lock an opponent in place, it's not terrible to charge them. So you can still get the best of both worlds. You can kind of create your own little miniature version of Bastard Girls out of these guys for one extra point. They're a little bit faster. They actually have better defense, one point less morale. But with two vows, they could have the shields attached and not suffer from, you know, not. you can play the sword in the darkness and give them eight attacks when they charge. Uh, I think there's a lot of combinations that you can do when you can attach two vows. You can fire that burns against the cold and make them panic when you activate and then vulnerable with their order and you won't have to sacrifice like having the shield on them. So there is a lot of potential anytime two thousand involved involved. Very curious to see, but I'm guessing he's two points. And I think, uh, I think the fact that you are spending, you know, two points on an attachment and, you know, having an unbreakable vow for, you know, you want to have more spots on the board. I think the, the clear choice is going to be Yarwick though. Obviously that, you know, that doesn't mean you have to. I just think uh, when you combine the fact that you're going to have less points by running a two-point attachment and wanting more spots on the board to uh, make sure you're always triggering your vows, it's going to make a, a free NCU commander a lot more desirable on top of the fact that his cards combo with the uh, Ranger trackers so well. Um, but Absolutely. Uh, that's not to say I, that, you know, other commanders won't be able to, you know, pull off some other awesome stuff with them. Uh, I see Alistair as having tremendous value because he has seeing their flaws, which puts down a panic and a vulnerable token. Uh, that means that you can use the ranger trackers vulnerable token on another unit, and then you can have an enemy that's panicked and vulnerable for those double shots. And you can kind of wisely decide when to use those tokens. So... Uh, yeah, I think it'd be pretty brutal. And for my money, in an awful list for eight points, they're definitely uh, giving me more value in that Yarwick list than a unit of veterans. And I love veterans. So I think they might even be better value at eight points than the Ranger uh, Hunters. But uh, that's just me. Uh, I think I would agree. Um, at eight points, uh, being the same as Ranger Hunters, uh the fact that you're getting the double shots and uh, you have that, uh, don't forget the the speed, you know, being cavalry allows for a lot of, uh, you know, um, options. You know, you're never out of the fight with cavalry, which is why 
kind of off point, but uh, why I'm kind of a big, uh, big advocate for if you play a 50-point game or a 50-point tournament, to instead of jumping to a 4x6, just make it a 4x5 or something. Because uh, I think 4x6 is just such a big field for infantry to try to cover. Whereas uh, like a 4x5 gives a little extra room to make up for, you know, the fact that you're playing a bigger point game, but uh, not so much that cavalry is just like zipping across the board while infantry can't really catch up. Uh, so, you know, the the movement for them is going to be a big key thing too, I think. Uh, looks like we got Chris on. Chris, uh, what do you think about these guys? The or the this attachment, the Marshall Watch Marshall attachment version. Well, I think he has quite a bit of potential, and from a free folk standpoint, I'm just really looking forward to killing these guys. Yeah, it it, it kind of scares me if this guy will be one point because. Man, at seven points, being able to just double fire like that. And again, I guess it's not out of the realm of possibility, isn't? Um, wasn't something someone said somewhere at one point that, you know, the units themselves were going to cost a lot, but then the attachments are where they're going to be much cheaper to kind of even things out. Uh, Brett, I, I think it was Michael. Like his, I think it was Michael in his podcast when he covered when he covered Night's Watch. I think it was when he was kind of covering the change to Ranger, Ranger Hunters. He mentioned that his vision of Night's Watch was, uh, yeah, an elite army that's relatively expensive, but uh, the attachments would be a little bit cheaper and they would kind of round things out. So I think uh, I can't remember if this was pre or post FAQ. It might have, or pre or post the the last batch of changes, because I think a lot of people interpreted that as uh, Lord Snow maybe going down to two points by the way he was talking. But I could be wrong. I think they might now, have been see, using the Brandon Hodor reduction to, to think yeah. that way. I don't remember. There's now, been I, so many changes, and it's been so long ago, but I, I believe I do recall. Uh, Mr. Chanel saying that he envisioned Night's Watch as a uh, as the toolbox army that would be kind of low activation, but they would be hyper elite, and that their attachments would be a little bit more cost effective to make those units really uh, fit their high price tag. So, ugh, if that if that attachment is <laughs> point, I will be buying. Uh, does that attachment box come with one of them or two? Just one, right? Uh, I think two. I think they're the only unit uh, attachment box that comes with two cavalry. I could be wrong, oh, but I'm pretty sure plenty. only one of them comes with <laughs> two, and the rest all come with one. Okay, but that's fine. I would I be know, running maybe that's two also, of them for sure. Maybe that's also an indicator that maybe um, maybe it is one point, but maybe um, ranger trackers are going to be bumped up to seven. So maybe the the total will still be eight, but you're going to be paying less for that attachment, but more for the base unit. Interesting. I would so, be a little bit surprised to see that, but it, it would be interesting. Um, seeing, I, I know that some people have made some complaints about Rangers being a little bit too good for their points value, but I think it was basically comparing them to the Dothraki Outriders, which 
that's an argument for a whole nother day. I think the Dothraki Outriders are a phenomenal unit, but I'd be a little bit surprised to see Ranger Trackers go to seven points, but uh, I yeah, know, I think I they need a buff somehow. Like, not a big yeah. one, but if you're going to make them seven, because I think they're arguably one of the best six-point units in the game, but when you're in that category, that means you are you could be bumped up to the next bracket when you're so good at the point value you're at. I'm not necessarily saying that they are seven points, but I think if it may be almost like the the Swarm Brothers, how they went up in a, a point uh, from six to seven, but they got like an extra attack die. So maybe a similar yeah. change to Ranger Trackers where they bump up to seven and then uh, they get like a small little buff somewhere. Yeah, Sworn Brothers were a straight buff. I know I know that a lot of people got upset about that, but my God, I, I didn't run Sworn Brothers a whole lot when they were six points. Uh, when they're, they're seven point form, I don't leave home without them. My God, they're so... You know, just that you wouldn't think that that one attack die would make that much of a difference, but oh my god, that unit is so destructive. <laughs> I love, I love <laughs> yeah, they just, so much. They are they have so they many so many ways to increase the attack dice, and now giving them plus one, even though it's only at the full ranks. But you get a charge off with like sword in the darkness, and you know, uh, aim, uh, what's his name, um, half hand, and whatever else. Yeah. You can get pretty nuts, though. Yeah, they actually have a, a an extra attack at their second ring too. They used to be seven five four, now they're eight six four, which is it seems to be pretty on par with what we see from our elite, you know, uh, combat focused units like the Mountains Men. Uh, eight six four is uh, that's Sentinels as well. They're eight six four, right? Uh, Sentinels. Uh, yeah. Eight six four. I want to say yes. I think that they are, but it just seems to be like the basic, like your mid tier. This is your damage dealing unit. Mountains men, Sentinel, Sworn Brothers. Eight six four seems to be fairly consistent. But uh, uh, Sworn, I'm not complaining. Sworn Brothers are worth every point of that seven points. So yeah, you mentioned Corn Halfhand. I've actually discovered. Uh, I'm probably late to the party on this because I think a lot of people have been doing it, but I got my hands on the Corn Half-Hand NCU with Jor in a unit of Sworn Brothers, and it is disgustingly brutal what you can do with that <laughs> unit. It's almost like it's almost like Michael Chennault said in his podcast that's where he would put Jor. So <laughs> I guess you have to try it. That, that first time you charge a unit and with controlling all of the vows with Jor, and you've already got Watcher on the wall, so now they're movement seven with Corrin, and then you use his card and pull Sword in the Darkness out of your deck, and now they come in with 11 attack dice at movement seven. They're, like, blazing across the field faster than Berserkers, and they're hitting harder <laughs> than almost dead Berserkers. It's, like, happened. I think the first time I tried it, I charged Rickon and Osha in a unit of Sworn Swords and did 15 hits. Like, yeah, that unit's probably going to die, but uh, sorry about that. <laughs> Jor over here is pretty nasty, so. So, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, well, I guess it's one of those we'll have to wait and see about the point cost, but uh, I guess moving on to the Watch Marshall solo. Um, again, we don't know the points. If I were to take a guess, I would say four points. 
maybe maybe five just because it's night's watch you know paying more for it because they're an elite army but i would say probably four um looking at six movement uh two dice uh attack dice hitting on three up it is a solo so only one rank uh four up morale or four up defensive save and a three up morale um so right off the bat you're looking at what Jorah, but hitting one better and one better morale. And then, uh, let's see, order to follow me. Uh, order, follow me. When this unit performs a maneuver or march action before moving, target one other friendly unit in short range. After this unit completes its maneuver or march, the, uh, the targeted friendly unit may make one free maneuver action. I believe that thing uh, um, uh, Parma has, correct? The attachment? Or is it our commander? Yes, sir. That is correct. Is it the attachment or the commander one? Attachment, yeah. She, her attachment has follow me. Her commander has like two really broken orders. So, (laughs) follow me is still very, very good. Harma is good in all forms. It's a phenomenal. uh, It's a phenomenal ability. Follow me. Oh, you know what? Uh, now rereading this, it's been a while. So Marshall uh, has the innate ability. The model has two wounds. At the start of this unit's activation, it may make a free maneuver action. Uh, other friendly units within short range roll plus one die on melee attacks. So that's really good, but I think it's probably a solid four. Uh, I don't know if I'm... I don't know if five, even with it being nice watch, but... Uh, just the fact that it gives them another activation, then again, you're competing with con- conscripts at that point cost. Uh, but the buffing of attack dice, I mean, you can really start to make some of your guys so nasty. Like, the amount of stuff that after this guy comes out that Night's Watch will have to beef your attack dice, especially when you combine, like, neutrals um, in there, like Ramsey or something, with, like, our blades are sharp, uh, if, like, they're a bolt unit and it's just, it can get pretty nuts. Um, and this guy will definitely help. Uh, he's definitely a bit more survivable uh, than Jor. So, but Jor is only three points, right? Yeah, Jor is three points. Okay, so it's about the same, paying one extra point, uh, you know, for the abilities that this guy has, a little more survivable, can actually do, you know, hitting on threes is a bit nicer than fours, but I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I think it really depends on the point cost, but this guy, I think the main thing for him is the fact that it'll help with the the activation uh, thing that uh, the problem, I guess I would put it as, that Night's Watch tend to have. What do you think as, you know, kind of a Night's Watch player? Kind of a Night's Watch player. I had the ball to run them in the three sales league. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I love Night's Watch there. Uh, I just love them. Uh, they were my, by far my favorite army to paint. Um, when I took a break from Tyrion and Lannisters for a while, I tinkered around with Starks for a little bit. Didn't stay there long. Uh, once I kind of started playing with Night's Watch, I absolutely loved them. Um, even when they're kind of considered a little bit underpowered right now, I don't think that they're bad. I think that the uh, elite Night's Watch thing still works. Uh, I did lose some games in the three sales league, but I lost to very, very good players. 
and the games were incredibly close. So I don't have any shame in the losses that I took playing with Night's Watch. Um, but that's a whole nother conversation when we cover some tournaments. But uh, with that said, I, I see him. I, I think everybody's always going to have that little struggle with comparing him to Jorah. And they're going to say, well, Jorah's three points. This guy has to be four. I, I think this guy's going to be three points. Um, the reason that I feel that way is I think, I think that first of all, Jorah is an anomaly, but I think that it's intended for uh, Targaryens to not just, just not have access to cheap units uh, for whatever reason. Well, I know the reason they, they want the Targaryen activation count to be a little bit lower because they are capable of causing so much mayhem with their deck. They have an amazing deck. And if, if they had access to some cheaper units, like people are wanting screamers to be five points and things of this nature, I, Targaryens are teetering. Uh, I know that they're struggling right now in the tournament scene. And I think a lot of people are seeing it as like, well, Targaryens have no hope, which ironically we're going to be talking about why they have a bright future. But I think that Jorah is not so great for three points because, uh, I, I don't think they wanted him to be super auto-include with Illyrio just to bump that activation count up. Because if you ever build a list, just like, hey, just for fun, let's do, I'm going to do seven activation Targaryen. You do seven activation Starks, and we'll see how it goes. I think the Targaryens will kind of blow them off of the table for the most part, just because their deck and their speed, uh, when the activation count is even, it becomes insane. But, uh, I see him as three points. Um, I, he's, I still take him with a little bit of caution. He's very good at resisting Cersei and just regular crown bombs. He's pretty good at resisting Melisandre, but I think the bigger problem, uh, like speaking for, for the meta, and of course, it's everybody listening, I speak always as a tournament player. So when I build a list, I always think in mind, like, well, if I run this to a tournament, I could come across this. So don't take what I'm saying as this is the way that it is. These things don't always exist. You might not even have Baratheon players in your meta, but as a tournament player, I know that Axel exists in a lot of Stannis lists. It's almost always in the 1-2 Baratheon list, and Axel just he's just going to blow this guy off the board. Um, I guess if you're running Commander Snow like I do, you can always, it shall not end to keep him alive, which is what I've had to do with Ghost. But uh, if you run solos, Axel is a menace. He is an absolute menace. Um, I'm just going to go on record now as saying I don't like his NVU. I don't like the design. I don't like just, basically automatically killing a unit by expending a token. Uh, it's just not, it's not great. It's not a good feeling. I don't like having things removed with, with no dice being rolled. And it's like, there's not even really a whole lot I can do. He can kill something round one. And if you've got a wolf or a, a two wound model, there's literally nothing you can do about it because they run him generally in tandem with Shira. So, either the bags or the letter, they can put a token on you. And there's, uh, yeah, if they go on the bags with Shira, there's nothing that you can do to remove that token. Fire that burns against the cold can't cancel the token. So you're just dead. There's, 
it sucks. There's not a lot you can do about it. So, um, with that being said, he is, he seems fantastic. The reasons that you just said, he fixes, uh, the nice watch, some of their issue with kind of getting across the board, uh, setting up some of those flank charges with their sworn brothers or even getting their sworn brothers into the target that they want without relying on the watcher on the wall. Um, I think most people who have adapted to playing against Night's Watch, they wait until it's not an opportune position, and then they make an attack. They're, I think most people have caught on to the Watcher on the Wall, and they're just not going to give you an opportunity. They're not going to come blazing across the field and attack your one of your units and let your, your heavy hitters Watcher on the Wall up into their face. Uh, so this guy kind of gets them across the field without relying on that card. So... Uh, it's really good. And then, as you mentioned, uh, adding attack dice and then with uh, the half hand and with sword in the darkness, you've got some ways for these guys to really be chucking a lot of attack dice. So I think he's great, um, but I'm still putting my guess at three points. Yeah, I think uh, I think every, everything you said, you know, makes sense, um, especially, you know, how vulnerable he is at two wounds. I mean, two two wounds is you really need like three more like four to help you survive against those one shot uh, stuff, especially two. There's so many things that will auto be two, if not more. So uh, the big thing kind of segue into Chris, uh, your opinion on this guy, but one of my favorite combos uh, for free folk is Jarl uh, attachment in some uh, trappers and, you know, just come off the side next to something that is, uh, hasn't activated that has two, you know, like two wounds, like a wolf usually. But the more you add things like this, the more it makes that combo kind of devastating because then now they really don't have a way. They have to activate that unit unless they just sit there and they don't move. Um, but then you kind of stalemate them. What do you think, Chris? I like this guy. I really don't see myself ever playing him because I simply just don't play Night's Watch. But um, I was kind of at first read. I was kind of disappointed when you guys mentioned with you know the comparison to Jora, uh, because you know when I do targets and how disappointed he is, this guy kind of puts him to shame. But at the same time, I don't think you can really compare the two. But, I mean, it's always nice to be able to throw a solo in there if you have the points to spare. So, let's see what points this guy actually shakes out at and see where he fits. Yeah, I actually forgot to mention in my, my little rant about Axel. I hate Axel. Uh, the other... The other menace, I guess, for this guy is a uh, Thyre NCU because he's incredibly good at poaching dogs in round one. Uh, you know, D3 hits, uh, and the dogs have a three-plus defensive save, but sometimes they just bite the dust of Thyre. This guy only has a four-plus defensive save, so um, he's got a really good chance to just bite it when facing Thyre. That's kind of my hiccup with that. I mean, with Bowman or other ranged attacks or things of that nature, I can play smart. I can keep him out of the, that danger. I can, I mean, you can't do much about the Jarl, but 
you can keep him in a spot where the trappers are unlikely to pop up and be an issue for him. Uh, I can't do anything about Steyer, if you, uh, except for run Barris, but that's kind of a crappy answer to some of these problematic NCUs for the meta, like, oh, well, just run Varus and use a, a Varus token and cancel the influence. It's that I don't like that answer. Um, I just don't like those two NCUs. Uh, just they're, they're just so little counterplay outside of Varus. There's just not – you don't lose the model because you played wrong. You lose the model because your opponent brought something – that you just can't that, that you can't do anything about, and I just don't like that. I like things about this game where uh, you're rewarded for tactical moves, you're rewarded for smart play, and I'm not super trying to take a shot at the Axel guys and the Steyer guys, but it's not like super smart play. That's like a really obvious no-brainer play, and it kind of sucks being on the other side of that. And I don't I don't think that I'm the only one that feels that way, but it's. It's, I just don't like the design of those NCUs either. Yeah, I think I'm done uh, with, I'm done <laughs> with my Yeah, I think uh, you know that. With that said, um, it depends on your meta. Um, if you're facing a lot of those things that can just, you know, one shot, uh, um, you know two wound models, you know, especially if, you know, you're seeing a lot of wolves, like even with, uh, you know, the changes that they've made all the way up to this point, you're still seeing a lot of wolves for uh, Starks. And this guy is less defensive than a wolf. Granted, you know, he, it's not like you have to charge with him, but what I'm getting at is that um, people are already going to be uh, prepared to have answers for wolves and those answers are also answers to this guy. So that said, uh, it just depends on your meta. If your meta isn't really running a bunch of answers for wolves or, you know, things that are similar, such as, you know, the watch Marshall, then uh, he definitely has a place. But I think if your meta is kind of gunning for that, then I think you might be better off with a unit of conscripts if they're the same points, or even if they're not one point more, I think you're still better off, you know, because even though this guy's giving you activation, kind of giving you some buffs and movement, if he dies, like in the first couple turns, you know, it's not really going to do you much in the long run. Uh, so I think uh, at this point, I think it would be just based on your meta and what, uh, what you're going to see consistently. Um, and then next up we have, uh, we're going to talk about the Free Folk War Mammoth. So uh, I apologize if there was another image somewhere, uh, but this uh, image does not have what it hits on. We're going to assume it hits on a three up, um, but we'll see. So it has a six move, a three up defense, a three up morale, uh, six dice hitting on assuming three plus, but it could be something else because uh, that part was uh, chopped off there. Um, has an innate ability of uh, this model has eight wounds. This unit cannot control objectives. If this unit fails a pack test instead of suffering wounds, it makes one trample action. Your opponent controls it during this action. Um, so uh, before I move on to the next part for the trample, uh, important thing to note is that 
you can still contest objectives. And with the current rules being eight, uh, with solos being uh, able to contest and control objectives based on their wounds, they have eight ranks. So they can't control anything, but they're going to have eight ranks worth of contesting, uh, which is pretty insane. Um, I do. I do like the fact that they can't control. I mean, in, in my opinion, that makes sense. And contesting, I guess, you know, it makes sense in the fact that, um, you know, you're you're a big mammoth and, you know, the unit's not going to be able to uh, concentrate on holding that objective. Uh, it just, it means that you're really going to have to wear down this guy before you're going to ever have a chance of controlling the objective. Uh, and then its other ability, Trample, is also innate. If this unit performs any action, it may instead use trample. It pivots, then marches, even if engaged, and may move through enemies during this march. Each non-solo unit, friend, uh, friendly or enemy, moved through suffers D3 wounds plus one wound for uh, every remaining rank in that unit. So if they happen to have full ranks, you're doing... Uh, D3 plus 3. So you could knock out a potential 6 auto people uh, auto, you know, model uh in the unit and let's see. Uh, this is not an attack, correct? It's just an ability. Yeah, so you wouldn't it, have to take a panic test. Correct, which but, is one of the saving grace for it, I guess. Yeah, but if you line it up, if you can get really good with your movements and your pivots and stuff, I mean, it's every unit. So even if they're not taking a panic, I mean, granted, the chances that you're going to go over more than two units is pretty slim. But even then, let's say it's early in the game and you get charged uh, and they, let's say, ping off a couple wounds or something. And then you use as your action to trample moving over them and partially over another unit doing D3 plus three to two different units, I mean, this guy can be pretty nasty. Now, keep in mind, um, doing that, you know, uh, they have a three-up morale. If you have, like, Vicious or something, and you can make them fail a panic test, and you can make them trample backwards uh, 12 inches, that could be pretty big. You can, you know, you can essentially take them out of the fight for a turn uh, if they get, like, let's say you march backwards over an enemy, do that damage to them, and then now they're behind that unit. You know, they might not have line of sight to charge anymore. Uh, you know, being 12 away means, you know, the chances of you being able to charge back that turn uh, is going to be slim. So it's going to be, there's going to be uh, some pretty tricky stuff around it that you really have to be careful with. Uh, I think uh, morale-based uh opponents is really going to be where this guy is going to kind of be very iffy. But I think uh, otherwise, I think he's, I think I saw in the chat where this was uh, leaked that he's six points. Um, and so I think, uh, you know, at six points is really good, uh, a really good take. Um, you know, three up defense is really good with eight wounds. I mean, granted, Auto wounds is always going to be a, kind of the bane, and it doesn't have the giant ability to have the wounds. But I don't know the 
all those auto wounds just from marching through things can be pretty crazy. Uh, what do you think, Chris? I think this thing looks awesome. And if this is true, that this is a six-point thing, I'm going to take these things always. And we all know me. I'm not a very tournament kind of guy, so that stuff really doesn't phase me. Throwing this guy out there, even if I do get panicked and it goes ballistic somewhere, <laughs> that, that's just funny. So <laughs> just the randomness of this sounds awesome. And like you say, for six points, done. That's almost an auto-include like Steyr NCU for me. Well, also, I, I you... think uh, I forgot to mention – man, I lost my train of thought. There's something – oh, uh, you can only uh, – if I recall, they also mentioned you can only take two of these guys um, at most. So I wonder if there's going to be uh, – kind of like Yarwick in the sense that there's going to be something that will unlock to be able to run more of these guys, which would be interesting. Just think of what if you can get upgrades to these things like a Mumak from Lord of the Rings, like put like spikes on the tusk <laughs> or something, just let them like roll over things. That'd be cool. <laughs> the attachment called roll over. <laughs> <laughs> or give it a howda and just put a bunch of raiders on its back and let it just go crazy. <laughs> Put that walrus chieftain up there or something? That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, you think, you're Brad? starting. Chris is starting <laughs> to scare the children. Now, uh, this guy—he's neat. Um, he's really scary. Um, it's just more free folk auto wounding, but I guess on the upside of it, he costs two raiders. And he can't have a skin changer attached to him, so at least I'm getting my ass kicked in a different way by free folk. Uh, <laughs> no, I think it's interesting. I think it's fun. Uh, what Chris just said, uh, it actually reminds me of any old Warhammer fantasy players. This is like Goblin Fanatics. Like, they're coming out, and they're going to do insane damage, but things can go incredibly wrong, and they can end up going through your own troops. So... Um, Interestingly enough, in Warhammer Fantasy, when I played that, uh, I played Warriors of Chaos, who were this elite army, uh, high armor. It's obviously blatantly my favorite playstyle. So it's, it's what I leaned into. It's why I chose Lannisters out of the Lannister Stark box, and it was what I loved about Night's Watch. So the bane of Chaos Warriors was Orcs and Goblins and their reckless numbers of troops that you can't kill all of them and they're little toys that just don't care about your armor. So maybe this is why I have so much salt for free folk. It's like deja vu for me. But uh, no, Chris brings up a good point. It's really interesting. It's really fun. It's borderline funny. Uh, It's cool. uh, But I see this guy, he can get pretty insane. If you think about um, replacing any action, so just a couple of really quick things that come to mind. I'm not a free folk player, so I'm sure perhaps Chris can help me if there's any that I'm miss- missing. But what comes to mind for me is uh, Steyr, NCU, or uh, Commander, actually. I uh, think that this guy might actually push Steyr, NCU off the board a little bit because the Commander works so well with these guys. So they charge you. 
and you can place that for charge. That's an action. You get to trample through the unit that charged you and pop out the other side. They don't even get to attack you. Uh, Lady Vol always giving you the, the uh, effect of the maneuver zone, which is a maneuver. A maneuver is an action. So basically, no matter what happens, uh, Lady Vol is giving them a free trample. Uh, you've got the maneuver zone itself for a free trample. You've got the attack zone for a free trample. Then you've got Steyer's Commander card, other than set for charge. I can't remember what it's called. Maybe Steyer's Vengeance. It's the one where if, an, if a friendly unit has died this round, uh, you, you remove an activation token. That's another Mammoth Trample. So I see these guys getting pretty insane, uh, and I think it's going to be really frustrating for opponents. But we, I have not seen them on the table. So I'm going to save some judgment, but I'm definitely approaching this one with caution. They are fun, and they're a cool design. I can see it getting pretty out of control, and those are two combinations that I just thought of right off the top of my head without doing a whole lot of research into how would I break this unit because I don't play free folk. So um, maybe you can help me out, Chris. Are there any other ways, any other commanders? Well, I guess Dyer can fainting maneuver them. And instead of doing a charge action, they can do a fainting maneuver trample. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's any other free action in the free folk deck or commanders. I don't believe so. So Lady Ball, Harma's fainting maneuver, set for charge, and Styers remove an activation card. That's, that's pretty much it. Um. Was it uh, what is uh, the man that says any action? Uh, Tormund would be pretty funny. Counter charge. You wouldn't even have yep. to have a legal charge. You would just uh, after friendly combat units attacked, you throw it on them. And even though you even if you don't have a legal charge, you would just then trample through something. Um, hmm. That's interesting. Let me look at the war manual. Right. Just can continue. I'm just going to look to make sure that the wording on that is right, that you wouldn't have to have a legal charge. But go ahead. Well, the the trigger, because then, uh, because yeah. by the time it becomes any, to yeah, the... Yeah, you're right. Well, I don't know if you can play counter charge and meet the criteria if you don't have a legal charge to begin with is the thing. I don't think you can say, well, I'm going to counter charge with this unit because the criteria is you can, you may make a free charge action against the attacker, but I think in order for the criteria of that card to go off, you would have to have a legal charge is how I would argue it, but it would be interesting to see if somebody else has another take. Because mm -hmm. I know with Arma, I know with Arma, if they can't fit in the front for whatever reason, even though she's ultimately moving them to the flank, you can't play that card if you don't have a legal front charge. Even though you're later moving them to the flank, you still have to make a successful charge, and a successful charge requires that you are able to align. So it would be, I don't know, we can look into that a little bit more. Maybe we can get, uh, I know Carlo from the Guild is really good at uh, analyzing rules and kind of giving his take on that. So if he's listening, maybe Carlo can send 
a message to one of us and zoom in on that or any of our other rules lawyers who are listening, feel free to send a direct message to small counsel or to myself or Dave and kind of weigh in on, on that one. It would be interesting. Yeah, I mean, the it's one of those situations where I think it might work, but I would, wouldn't be uh, saddened if it didn't. <laughs> so uh, we'll see uh, how it kind of comes about. But I think uh, there's definitely a possibility that you're right, that it might fall in the category that even though you're replacing it with something else, that you first might have to be in the position to do it. Uh, but we'll see. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think these guys at six points, I think a solid, uh, you know, taking one of them is very, like, a good solid choice, you know, because you are sacrificing two Raiders, but, um, you know, one of them might be, like, perfect for, you know, adding, you know, that little extra to, to your army. Two, I think if you're going to run two, you're going to want to run something kind of focused on like on them. Uh, one of them, you won't really have to dedicate a whole lot, but with two of them, you're looking at 12 points. Uh, that's a lot for free folk. Uh, Cause you know that now that's four Raiders that you're giving up. So we'll kind of see uh, where that goes when these guys come out. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about, uh, we'll talk about the dragons cause uh, knock out three with one stone. Cause let's see. Um, it looks, let's see, yeah, so they're all identical from what we could tell in every way except for the attack um, is one of them gives, uh, Rhaegal uh, gives weakened, Drogon gives panicked, and uh, Viserion gives vulnerable. So otherwise their movement was... Better, I thought we had a better picture because on this one I can't really see their movement. Um, because we need their the stats is already, six. right? Yeah, their movement is what is okay. Six. So, movement six, uh, their melee and range attack are identical, um, in the sense of they don't hit on anything and they don't have any dice, uh, they have no morale. Uh, it's just a dash, and their save is a four-up. They have the innate ability that uh, they each have eight wounds and never make morale tests. This model ignores units and terrain when moving. At the start of its activation, this model may make a free maneuver action. So those are all innate. And then it also has uh, an innate attack uh, ranged in melee, which is Jade Fire. I don't know if they're called something different, but otherwise they do all the same thing other than the different tokens. Uh, short range, ranged version only, gives uh, uh, vicious, um, and no, the range, you don't roll the hit. Ranged, the ranged and melee. Have oh, no, no, right? sorry, yeah, I see. It says short range, and that's the ranged version only. Uh, but both yeah. of them will have vicious, and don't roll any to hit dice. The defender suffers D3 plus three wounds, and one enemy within short uh, within short range of that unit becomes weakened. So uh, definitely pretty nasty. Um, 
I believe uh, they were said to be, I believe we have a picture here. They are nine points each. Uh, with, uh, I'll just throw this in there, the NCU version. Uh, I think someone said the NCU version reduces points, or is it just the commander? Field version. Only the field commander okay. version does. Mother of Dragons, which is the field commander. Oh, okay, yeah. So, yeah, it has a card here, which reduces each one by two points. That is pretty hefty. That's a free six points there. Um, so I'm sure they did that, you know, because they want everyone to have the ability to run all three in the same list. And running three nine-point dragons, you know, you're looking at, what, 27 points? Leaves you with 13 points. I'll do it. You have to you have to run a unit at least of five points um, to put uh, Daenerys in. So now you're down to six points. So if they can get like a second uh, three-point um, NCU, I think that would be uh, <laughs> pretty nasty because then you're Why still you at six activations anyway? right there. <laughs> yeah, you don't need NCUs, right? I don't. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think the dragons, uh, they seem like they're going to be pretty nasty. Um, but we'll jump right into... Uh, um, Daenerys, Queen of Marine. This is the NCU commander. Uh, Daenerys begins the game with two order tokens on her. When an enemy combat unit makes a morale test, before dice are rolled, you may remove one order token from Daenerys. If you do, they must roll one additional D6 and discard the highest. Um, so this is just you know kind of helping you out with uh, morale. I'm surprised it's only two tokens. Um, but when an enemy combat unit makes morale. Uh, oh, so, yeah, so it's like a, you're breaking up, Brett. It's helping her push morale damage. Yeah. All right, and then uh, her first card, uh, Promise of Fire. When an enemy NCU activates, select two zones on the tactics board. If the NCU uh, claims either zone, this activation, one enemy combat unit becomes panicked, and then one enemy combat unit suffers one panic test. Uh, I don't know about this card. I think it has potential, but uh, but I don't know. Uh, we'll go to the next one, though. Um, let's see. They're all jumbled up. Uh, Targaryen Supremacy. When a friendly combat unit passes a panic test from being attacked, the attacker suffers a panic test with a minus two roll. If you control the crown, the enemy also becomes panicked. So basically, Lannister Supremacy, but with a added crown effect. Um, then lastly of her three cards is... Let's see. Sorry, they're all jumbled still. Okay, counterplot. So, uh, exactly the same. You get to reroll if you have the crown. It's on a three up. When they play a tactics card, you can cancel the effects. So, what do you think, Brett, of between the dragons and then the uh, NCU version? 
sorry. Uh, Brett, you dropped. Um, now you're back. Sorry. Go ahead. No problem. It's great that the Targaryens got their NCU commander. They've been howling for one for a while. Uh, someone that's not Bruce Bolton. Um, so that's good. The cards are pretty good. Um, Lannister Supremacy is a card. It's neat. Uh, but with her order, I think the, I think that one of her order tokens, you know, the NCU order token, is meant to work directly with that card, obviously. So uh, it's pretty good, actually. Um, and then she's got the similar to Vargo Hoax, uh, right, the taking the morale on 3d6 and you drop your highest, I think that that's actually going to be, I think that people are going to discover that that's going to be a pretty reliable fail. Um, and then of course, I guess with a panic token, you can make them re-roll any and all of those. So it gives you a lot of opportunities to pretty much make sure that they fail the test. So that could get pretty nasty. Dragons themselves, uh, I'm a little worried about them. Um, we haven't seen solos that have a ranged attack, obviously. Um, solos can get in a lot of small places. Solos can very easily take advantage of, and well, I'm just going to say exploit some of the uh, charge rules. So, still there. Um, yeah, it's because someone's trying to call me. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> You're good. People openly um, exploiting some of those charge rules to keep those dragons safe, essentially, from being charged, And but they'll be able to shoot if the enemy is within six inches. So it's kind of like they're hiding behind a palisade, like playing peekaboo with the palisade, like, oh, you can't get me, but I can get you. And they can fly over as well, which is something else that we haven't seen, you know. Uh, solos, I guess, now can kind of maneuver around it and then make a charge, but being able to just kind of straight up fly over it and then fly over your head. I think if you don't have cavalry, uh, these things are going to be, it's just going to be the end of you. Uh, some of these Baratheon builds that are four, five units of infantry, they're just going to get destroyed. They're going to get eaten alive. Uh, um so it's going to be yeah it's going to be a big problem. I think you almost have to have at least one cavalry unit if you're if you're playing against these guys, but maybe more because they're just going to be able to focus fire and bring down whatever the biggest threat is. Um, playing again from my Warhammer experience, when I I had to play against War Machine playing Chaos Warriors, and I played a little bit of Demons too. The the thing is when you're playing against I'm going to treat these dragons as a war machine. They're just raining death. Um, you take out the threat to your war machines first. So if I had little flyers or fast cab or anything that I was going to try to get into the cannons, keep cannons from shooting me, they would kill those first. It's going to be the same concept here. Uh, you're going to take out the biggest danger to the dragons first, even if it means flying two or three of them over and focusing on that one unit, you're going to kill it. If they get behind your line, you, you, you might as well just shake their hand and, and tell them good game. It is just a massive amount of damage. Um, with the ranged attack and the melee attack, having vicious uh, flanks and uh, rears, it's going to compound that damage. We've already seen 
and discussed how this is a panic meta right now. Panic is the most reliable way to deal damage. These guys also just flat out do wounds. They don't have to roll any dice. Uh, for me, I can see it being a little bit of negative play experience. We will have to see because uh, we will, yeah, we'll just have to see because what's in my mind and what actually happens on the table may not be a reality, but I see high-level players exploiting maneuverability, exploiting the terrain rules, exploiting the charge rules. I see the dragons becoming not just annoying, but I think that they're going to be very difficult, borderline, impossible for a lot of armies to answer. I think Starks can answer them okay because they can get a jump on them. They can get a charge on them. They've got a good chance to one-shot them. Uh, even Knights of Castle Rock for Lannisters, I don't like their chances without a vulnerable token to go in on a charge and wipe out a dragon. I think if you break up your army and go after them, like with just one unit, it's going to die. They're going to surround it. They're going to destroy it. I, hypothetically, cool. it should only take two dragon shots to bring a unit down. One thing I wanted to point out, well, while looking at this while you're talking, I don't see any benefit to ever uh, charging. Since you don't roll to hit, you don't need your rerolls for a charge. Why would you ever charge with them? You know, you just put yourself in the position that they attack you back. I guess maybe to prevent being charged? Yeah, Yeah, pin down a cavalry unit. If you've got you know, Tully Cav across the field, and uh, you want to send one of your dragons over, you know, you Illyrio at the end of the round, and then you charge into that Tully Cav to prevent them from charging you. And then you can, you know, even two melee attacks, you should be dead. Um, I mean, I'm assuming you're going to fail the panic test. It's not a guarantee. But if you're in the flanks or the rears with a minus three, uh, Drogon making his own panic token that he can use, because uh, units are always within short range of themselves. So Drogon, can, you, will, you can always be panicked when Drogon is attacking you. I don't see any reason that you wouldn't, uh, because then you're basically looking at 2d3 plus 4 flat automatic wounds. Just start pulling models off the tray. Uh, it's pretty nasty. Yeah. and I think you said it's Viserion that does the weakened token. Which is, I mean, mm-hmm. it's just built-in built in defense if you want to charge them or even get in their charge arc. I think maybe, I won't say statistically more often than not, but if you're flying up on Knights Castle Rock or Tully Cab and you fire into them, you shoot them with a ranged, you've got a very good chance of, of taking a rank away and reducing their attack dice. And then if they charge you and they're weakened, I mean, honestly, why you don't really care that much. It's it's worth it. It's worth risking it for the biscuit if you can put your own weakened token on them and you drop them to seven or six attacks respectively. And then if they're doing the alpha charge, you just later attack them and they're probably gone. Uh, oh, I don't know. I see them deleting. Almost now that you point out the. Now that you point out the weekend and the panicked uh, Viserion with the vulnerable, unless, I mean, if you're running all three of them, you only have maybe one other, two other uh, combat units. Making someone vulnerable for the dragons is completely pointless. So that vulnerable token, now it'd be nice if maybe uh, um, Daenerys had, like, the adaptive tactics or something. That way you can maybe turn yeah. it into something else. But yeah, you don't, the, you don't need to I feel like 
Yeah. <laughs> so the vulnerable one seems kind of. I know why they, you know, they wanted to make each dragon slightly different, you know, because they are different, but um, well, not changing everything too much. Uh, but yeah, the vulnerable just seems seems kind of pointless. Um, so that's the last dragon you kill. <laughs> uh, we'll jump uh, before we get to you, Chris. We'll jump right into uh, just kind of wrap the mother of dragons in there. That way, you can kind of give uh, your thoughts on everything. So the mother of dragons uh, field attachment commander, I believe. Um, the unit grants plus two additional victory points when destroyed. Um, so it's when the unit dies, not the model. So you can get by her dying if somehow someone, you know, if you can put uh, someone in here with them. Uh, do they currently have anyone? Or, let's see. Is this one where, doesn't Jorah have the bodyguard thing where you can, like, move him to a different unit or something? Yeah, I think that's what I was thinking about. Um, Which now totally see. makes that ability make sense and actually useful. Well, not only that, but you can put Jorah as last. Because right. if you put Jorah as last and Daener- and you kill the unit down to one model, you get by her effect the same way you do with Osha and Rickon. Granted, I really think uh, that should change. I really don't like the fact that you can do that. Um, yeah, here we go. Bodyguard. You know, if, if, if another if it attachment make sense that unit, you're, go ahead. Like, it doesn't make sense that you're going to want Daenerys and uh, Rickon to die first. I mean, it makes sense, like, from a strategic point, but, like, thematically, just doesn't make any sense that you're going to go out of your way to make sure that one of the, uh, that Jorah or that Daenerys and Rickon die first just so that they don't give up their points. It almost seems counter like productive of what it's trying to achieve. Uh, whereas Joffrey, you can't get around that. And so that makes a lot more sense. Um, sorry. Uh, what was the rest of, um, his, uh, bodyguard ability? Uh, if another attachment in this unit would be destroyed, instead, you may place that attachment in a friendly combat unit of its type within long range, ignoring the usual attachment restrictions. See, the downside with that, though, is if you're running all three dragons um, and you run two units, you would have to run identical units, correct? Because it says of the same, oh no, same type. So it has to just be infantry. Um, still, though, that's 31 points. Yeah, you know, I you could still see that's still nine points of NCUs, so I could see it. Um, but then you're running two five pointers, so like two cutthroats or something. Again, um, she also why are we has, running NCUs? Yeah, what are those for? Mother of Dragons. When you claim a zone on the tactics board, you may replace its effect with search your tactics deck or discard pile for one of Daenerys commander cards and add it to your hand and then shuffle your tactics deck. Then her tactics cards are, start with, uh, they're all really good, but I'm going to start with uh, the least, the one that's uh, the least as good. I don't know how you would word that. Anyways, uh, when an enemy ends a move within short range of Daenerys' unit, one friendly uh, dragon, any of the three, 
uh, may pivot and then make a free march action. So that could really, you know, help you to fly across the board if you really need to make like a big uh, change, especially if they haven't activated yet. I mean, that can be that can be pretty big. Um, Dracaris, when Daenerys's unit activates, you may in uh, let's see. Uh, one dragon within short range may make a free attack action. So it's not even, it's, uh, yeah, it's just uh, a free attack when you activate. So you would attack with them first, and then you would uh, finish um, her activation. Then the best one, I think, is... Where is it? Sorry, guys. Again, they're all jumbled up here. Fired made flesh. When a friendly dra uh, dragon unit is attacked, it, it says their name, so it doesn't just say dragon. So if somehow they come out with another dragon, it won't work with those. Um, after defense dice are rolled, the unit only suffers one wound for every two unblocked hits, so the giant's ability. Uh, by far, in my opinion, the best of the three cards. The free attack is amazing, but the dragons already have a crazy amount of offense. What they are slightly lacking in with only having a four up save and eight wounds is defense. This is just crazy good on them. That, and you combined it with her ability to go pull from the uh, deck or the discard pile. Let's say you run two combat, uh, two NCUs um, in there. You can make sure that you have this card twice every round to make sure your dragons are constantly uh, reducing damage like crazy. Uh, especially, you know, maybe one round you don't need it twice, and you only use it once, and you use the other one to heal or to attack. Uh, I think the big thing with uh, these guys is you're going to want to block the, you know, it's hard to say that because, you know, if you, block, if you take the attack, they take the heal. You take the heal, they take the attack. Uh, there's no, like, really good way without maybe Varus uh, to maybe stop some healing or attacking. Um, yeah, I think uh, the combination with this Daenerys is going to be insane because she, uh, we pointed out earlier that uh, she's the one, the field commander one's the one that reduces the cost. But those that are maybe didn't catch it, that's because uh, the card, it's kind of like... Uh, uh, the card for um, Free Folk, the... No coin behind the wall. No coin, yeah, no coin behind the wall, which doesn't allow uh, neutral units, comes with a card that says Mother of Dragons. So I think it was pretty obvious that because uh, the two commanders, uh, one is called Queen of Marine and the other one is called Mother of Dragons. So this card only applies to the Mother of Dragons commander. Um, so with that said, I mean, even though you're getting a free NCU, so with her ability, I would rate her as a three-point NCU. So you're saving yourself about three points. Uh, you're saving yourself six points by if if you plan to run all the dragons, that is, by taking the mother of dragons commander so i almost feel like granted you are getting an extra activation with the um queen of marine so that is the one buff that you are kind of getting com uh, between the two but i think with saving six points you could easily use three of those points and run you know granted he's not seen as very good uh you know solo jorah 
you know, that gives you that activation while you're still saving three points and getting much better cards and abilities. Uh, granted, you give up those two victory points, but, I mean, with three dragons running around, the last thing that your enemy is really going to be focused on is trying to uh, worry about, you know, your unit with Daenerys in it. I mean, they might try to rush and get that two points to, you know, kind of beat you there, but if you're playing smart with your dragons, you could really mitigate that. So what do you think, Chris, about all the goodies that we've talked about? I know you're kind of a free folk slash Targaryen player at the moment. Well, much like the war mammoths, I'm really looking forward to just messing around with these dragons because, you know me, I don't really care that much for actual competitiveness. So, I mean, I'm planning on throwing those guys with a couple of units of unsullied out there and forgetting the NCUs and just, you know, seeing what happens just because it'd be funny. But, I mean, her cards, like we kind of talked about, they're pretty good all around. I have never liked the counterplot card just because it came from a Lannister. So <laughs> I'm kind of happy that we're sharing the wealth a little bit. I know. And I don't really use cards that much to begin with, so I may not just use this one just out of principle. But <laughs> Drakaris, that sounds awesome. You know, you know me, anytime I can get free attacks thrown around, it's always a plus. Like I said, fire made flesh. You know, that reminds me of my, my giants. So I'm loving that. Dragon's Flight, super useful. You know, if your dragon's off to one side taking care of business and you need to zip over and help out somewhere else. You can get over there pretty quick. Um, like most people, I'm pretty excited. We have our um, NCU commander version to save some points, but you know I'm an Unsullied fan, so saving points isn't really a big deal to me. I'll I'll pay the points, but I'm very excited about this box, and I cannot wait to mess around with some combos with these guys. Yeah, my wife, uh, she plays Lannisters, but after seeing some of the stuff, she's, uh, after the Insulator finally coming out, and now the Mother of Dragons box, she's thinking about dabbling in, uh, in some Targaryens. Um, what that said, one thing I was thinking of, you know, kind of going back to what you were saying, Brett, about kind of looking at a threat and kind of, focusing on that just to make sure that uh, their best tool to get rid of your dragons is gone. You know, lead up, throw Rhaegal right up in their face, shoot them, make them weakened. That way, even if they try attacking you, uh, charging into you, they're weakened to uh, soften that blow. You know, take the free attack or something, or then even uh, move Drogon right up next to him. You know, fire in there. You know, make them panicked for that second attack. Now it's uh, what is it, uh, 2d3 plus 6 with two panic tests, one being panicked. There's a good chance that unit is dead after that second attack. Uh, and, you know, you can just one-two punch, you know, unit round after round if you're smart about it. You know, try to divide and conquer. In a lot of ways, you could almost even ignore objectives uh, and just go, you know, for the table every every round, depending on what you're facing. Um, the auto wounds, you know, just make short work of any solos out there, really. 
Uh, so we'll, it'll definitely be interesting to see what kind of comes of these dragons. Uh, I'm kind of worried, especially after us dabbling, you know, into some of the tactics and some of the stuff that you've said, Brett. Uh, but we'll see. Um, I think uh, worst case scenario, Simon's always been really good to us about making sure, you know, anything that becomes way too good, you know, kind of gets uh, gets put back into the same, uh, you know, level as everything else for the most part. Um, and I try to look at it as game as it is, you know, there's, there's always going to be something to complain about. You could, uh, you could give us a basically perfect game, which is what it is. And your things are always going to poke out some, you know, there's always going to be a couple things in, in the game that are going to seem too powerful or too weak. That's always going to be the case. And that's because you give someone something really amazing you know, such as this game, and you're going to, you know, the things that aren't in line with everything else are what's going to kind of stick out. That's That goes kind of back to what we talked about in the game etiquette, uh, or was it that episode? It was another episode where we talked about rolling dice. And, you know, some people, you know, it's, it's almost like a glass half full or uh, half empty mentality. When you roll your dice, your mind is going to gravitate to either the high uh, high rolls or the low rolls. And so you're going to constantly tell yourself, man, I roll really bad all the time. Or I roll really good. This is insane. But uh, if you were to just kind of take your dice, average it out, you'd, you'd come to see that uh, your, your rolls are pretty average. And that, that would be kind of the same in this game is that your mind is going to be drawn to the stuff that's way too good or way, you know, way too bad. Uh, and it's, you know, it's just kind of human nature, you know, even when, you know, you talk about other games or even just other things in life. Uh, so I have, uh, I have a lot of confidence that Simon, if these guys end up being as crazy as we're thinking they're going to be, you know, give it a few months, you know, they'll wait for, you know, they're not going to make any changes right away. And you have to understand that's, that's a good thing. Uh, you don't want to hear a bunch of backlash right away and then just immediately change it when it might not have needed changing to begin with. You know, you want to get data and you want to, you know, kind of make sure that before you make this big change, uh, especially the first change, because you're looking at, you know, they have the stuff printed. Granted, they have an amazing app, Work uh, War Council, that you can download to get all the updated stuff, but it's still nice to have the physical copies be correct. So the first change is always the hardest, I think, because now you're changing what's printed in their in their product. So you definitely want to make sure your change is, uh, you know, warranted before you do it. Um, so I would say if these guys are broken or, you know, just way too good, that, uh, you know, give it two or three months when they do the next uh, change after they come out, after they get enough data, and, you know, they'll do, you know, they'll do right by us. So we'll kind of see how it goes. Um, what about uh, Brett, Chris, did you guys have anything to add? Uh, I'm going to keep my relatively negative thoughts about dragons to myself <laughs> at the moment. Um, 
I hope that I'm proven wrong, but you know, to be honest, uh, I, I can't even sugarcoat it. I think I think they're OP. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that they're not. I think they're OP even for a casual gamer. Um, I think that a less skilled gamer will be able to beat a more skilled gamer just because of the strength of those cards, uh, Daenerys' ability to proc those cards, and just the dragons themselves. I think that in the hands of some of the more experienced, more more savvy, uh, dare I say, I, I don't want to say cheesy because you're, they're playing within the rules, but the guys that know how to manipulate those rules to their advantage, uh, they're going to be so oppressively bad. Um, I'm kind of afraid that the fun will be sucked out of tournaments. Um, and I honestly, I don't think it would be too terribly long after they're released that tournaments just don't allow them until something has changed, to be honest. I, I probably going to get some backlash if people think that I'm overreacting, but just at, at first glance, knowing how the, the activation game works and how some of these things work, it's bad, I think. I think it's really bad. I think they're way, 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 way too good. I think really only Starks can reliably answer them, and, I, and a lot of people don't want to play Starks. Uh, Winner is coming, can stop the defensive card, and they've maybe got a chance to one-shot them. I think maybe uh, a watcher on the wall and Sworn Brothers could maybe take one down in one shot, but I think outside of some of those fringe cases, they are going to be horribly oppressive. Yeah, and I think uh, the them being lacking in activations will seem like it'll hurt them, but if you're able to, like, like we're saying, one-two punch stuff, uh, you could make that uh, activation difference go down pretty quickly. Yeah. Unless, you know, you're talking about 12 activation starts, and it might take, you know, most of the game to do that. But I think most uh, armies, you know, if you're down even, like, two activations, it might only take you, you know, a couple rounds. Because depending on the deployment, you're going to be able to possibly, you know, kill something very first turn reliably. Uh, that's a six-inch uh, deployment, but I think 12 or 18, these guys are going to be able to, these dragons are going to be able to, you know, their their threat range is the same as ranger trackers. You know, you're you're moving six and uh, for free, and then you're shifting two, and then you have a range of six. So you have a 14-inch threat range. And that's uh, if you don't you know, get uh, some other benefits or some other abilities to move further. So, okay. excuse me, we'll kind of see where it, where it lies. But, yeah, I, I think uh, I think you're right. I think uh, everything you said is there's a good chance that that's going to come to pass. But uh, just to be kind of the light at the end of the tunnel, I think Simon uh, will they'll do right by us and they'll, they'll fix it um, if it ends up coming to pass. So what about you, Chris? I agree with you guys. I mean, they're pretty good. Like I said, I can't wait to you know, abuse them for the two or three months before they're put <laughs> back in their place. But, you know, they look fun as of right now. So that's the way I'm going to look at it. Yeah, I think, you know, that's, that's, I think, the main reason to maybe take them is, you know, they look fun. They look really awesome. They're amazing sculpts. Uh, 
finally got some more versions of uh, Danny to kind of run in there. So we'll kind of see how it uh, shapes out. Um, I, yeah, I, just, I think that I just want to I just want to iterate again really quickly that I'm I'm probably coming off as a grumpy cat right now. Uh, it's it's from the mind of a from a competitive guy. So that's that's where that's coming from. I'm not hateful. I love Simon. I love everything they've done. I think that maybe some of this was uh, a, a little bit of an oversight, perhaps. Um, I'm not going to, like, quit the game and yell at everybody who runs Dragons or anything. Um, I'm just being a little bit of a grumpy cat right now. Um, I just, like, I mean, I just see bad things for the competitive scene because I, I see, I think, no matter how you slice it, you have to now build absolutely a dedicated Dragon Killers list and I think so many people are going to jump on the, the dragon bandwagon that it'll probably be a lot of uh, dragon on dragon. Um, <laughs> uh, Sounds I fantastic. Guess, I guess they can tame themselves <laughs> that way. They're not OP when they're fighting each other. Just whoever rolls better on the, the D3s, I guess, or whoever positions better in that, in that case because it's four to six wounds, so they can't one-shot each other with no panic tests. But uh, uh, I, I don't know. I see a lot of uh, I see a lot Targaryen players that are just ready to jump on the Targaryen train with this release. <laughs> but uh, we'll see. Uh, I, I'm I jumping. I don't want to be negative to you guys or our listeners. So I'm curious to try it. Uh, I will spoiler and say that I have played one of said competitive players in a kind of like a little, not necessarily secret because the, the rules are fully spoiled, um, but another competitive gamer. And I lost like 11 to two and it was, it was horrible. So that's where I got, I'm not going to name any names, but that's where I got some of these ideas about how things will be exploited. Cause that's exactly what happened to me. And it was a pretty rough game. So, uh, but you have the rules, just take some solo trades and proxy them with your buddy in person and uh, write to the show and let us know, like, hey, you guys are crazy. These guys are not that great. Or, hey, you guys are absolutely right. My friend isn't talking to me anymore. <laughs> I don't think he wants to play if I'm bringing my toy dragon. So just let us know how it goes. Just throw a solo trade on there and uh, proxy the cards and, and, and see how it works out for you. Just throw them on the table and, uh, I want to be proven wrong, honestly. Uh, I know Carlo is the guy who's probably going to call me out on it. Um, so if Carlo listens to this later, uh, yeah, do what you can to stop him. Oh, I forgot. I think an all-faith army stands a pretty good chance at at least living because they shouldn't care too terribly much about the panic token. But I don't think they've got the resources to catch and bring them down. So, Carlo, you're a faith guy. Uh, take your faith against... Uh, I don't know, Mazaroth's dragons, and let me know how it goes. I think they'll fall to the same uh, problem that you were mentioning with the five, like, Baratheon infantry thing. Because even though they're going to basically pass most of all their panics, uh, they're, you're going to just keep jumping over them over and over as you just, you know, shoot them to death. It might just be pretty, t- it just might be a lot more tough because of their healing. So you'll just have to do a lot more, like, focus fire to make sure the unit dies. But, yeah, I think uh, I think you have an okay chance with faith, like a faithful list, but we'll see. Uh, 
yeah, uh, that kind of wraps up the show. Um, I thank you all for, you know, listening in, those that listen live and those listening uh, recorded. Um, just give a couple shout-outs that I briefly mentioned at the beginning of the show. You know, check out uh, com. It's where you can find a bunch of uh, us creators that have all collaborated together to create a bunch of uh, different content. Um, you know, you can find... Uh, podcasts and uh, articles and battle reports and all that good stuff and you know you can find us small council radio uh, blitzminis.com tabletop warden mythicos studios west coast bannerman northern realms a song of ice and fire stats and sunday slaughter and uh, definitely go on a song of ice a song of ice and fire stats.com if you can make a profile super easy and quick uh there you can input all of your games that you've ever played uh, as long as uh the person that you've played against also has an account um and it could be from however long ago you know as long as you remember all the details uh and you know you want to input that in there to kind of you know add to the you know the compiled uh stats you know the more the better so I definitely strongly recommend uh, doing that. You know, it just helps us in the community. It helps uh, helps us realize, you know, what's kind of doing good, what's doing bad, and the more info, the better. Uh, so definitely go check that out. Uh, and it only takes, I don't know, 30 seconds, uh, if that, to input each result uh, once you have a profile. Um, and you can do it for both players. You know, you input the stuff and all your opponent has to do is verify it uh, by clicking a single button. So yeah, definitely go check that out. Another shout out I want to give is if you have a local business, definitely try to help them out. You know, there's a lot of businesses that are kind of struggling right now. Uh, smaller businesses, things are starting to open back up uh, some faster than others. If your shop is one of those shops that hasn't really opened back up yet, definitely still call and email them. See if maybe you can buy some of their product that they can ship to you, or you can maybe buy, if they're not doing that yet, uh, see if you can just buy like a gift card, um, something preemptively to kind of help them um, help them out until they uh, open back up. If they have opened back up, uh, you know, follow their guidelines and try to, you know, buy what you can from them as long as it's within your means. Uh, see about trying to get uh, events together, even if they might be smaller events, uh, like our local uh, Mount, in Mount Prospect, Illinois, uh, Games Plus. They kind of have like a limit. We usually limit it at roughly 12. It depends on the week um, for uh, for our tournaments. But, you know, anything's uh, better than nothing, you know, especially try to keep your gaming group alive. You know, I know a, a long hiatus can be, you know, it can sometimes be devastating for gaming groups. So do what you can, you know, uh, maybe some of your friends that you game with, but you don't really talk with outside of gaming, uh, maybe contact them on you know Facebook or some other way. Try to get uh, a group together. That way you can keep in contact and try to set up, uh, you know, a way to meet up um, once your shop opens back up. I know like for us uh, out here, we have a, we call it an ice and fire meetup. It's uh, just a messenger chat. Anytime someone in our area is new and in, uh, gets in the game, we add them to the chat. And it's simply used for nothing but uh, meeting up. And I know you can kind of do that with, like, Facebook groups and stuff. But this one is kind of like, 
a lot more immediate and personal and you can kind of tag people and you know you you can always mute it uh to kind of prevent you know a, you know constant bugging of notifications but it's a nice way uh especially if you're you know not sure who's going to show up that day and you don't want to make the commute to uh, uh let's say you have like a 40 plus minute commute and you don't want to drive all the way there for no one to be there you can be like hey who's going today um uh who isn't going today, uh, who's up for a tournament, uh, you know, this, you know, anything that you wanted to do. Uh, it's a great uh, tool to use. Just try to keep in contact, um, you know, let other people in your community know that you're still interested in the game. Uh, and they, it'll go a long way to helping your uh, community stay strong and grow. So definitely keep all that in mind. Um, what about you guys? Uh, Brett, do you have any uh, shout-outs you want to do? Um, I mean, really, not 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 anything outside of the ordinary. Um, you know, just the COVID thing, it's still happening. Um, we're getting this wave, second wave, um, every wave, <laughs> five wave. Uh, they can't really make up their minds. So the, the local stores, the local stores still need us um, as much as possible. So uh, whenever you can do that, do it. Um, Shane still has some uh, harder-to-get models on his shelf. Uh, it's familytimegames.com. Uh, I can post the store link up again if you're able to. It would really um, be helpful to him. I would appreciate it a lot myself, too, uh, if you had some things that you wanted. I know he's still got pyromancers in stock. They seem to be a little bit difficult to get a hold of. He's got a whole mess of builder crossbowmen and a couple of other things. So just check it out uh, if you've got the money to spend and you want to support a local business. Um, but other than that, no, just uh, check out the guild, check out uh, the stats page, check out all of the hardworking content creators who are just working overtime because of all of their tournaments coming up every single week because of how awesome TTS has been through this time. So content creators are constantly doing battle reports. They're doing battle streams. They're doing commentary. Um, George has got that three sales league going. He's putting a ton of time in that. Uh, he's collaborating with Carlo kind of on that thing to, you know, work with the stats page. And it's a really big event that's getting a lot of attention. So, uh, if you haven't heard anything about it, check that one out. Um, George is three sales gaming. He does a lot of fundraisers for uh, social issues. Um, so yeah, the, plus he's just George. <laughs> George is hilarious and awesome. I love George. But uh, yeah, I guess that's it. I'm just gonna sit here and ramble, and we're we're over. So, <laughs> what about you, Chris? Do you have any uh, shoutouts? No, sir. I'm good. All right. So um, I'm going to uh, end it by saying, uh, you know, thank you all for listening. Um, definitely check out uh, our page on Facebook or on any of the, you know, platforms that we're at, uh, blogtalkradio.com, uh, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or TuneIn. Um, you can check us out on uh, dis- uh, display. Uh, you can check us out on uh, Discord dot com uh join there you know we don't really uh it's really just used for show uh suggestions but you can go on there and kind of chit chat uh with some of the people that are on there as well um 
you know, we're always looking for show uh, suggestions. And, you know, since we do this show every week, we go through topics pretty quickly. So definitely uh, if you have something that kind of has crossed your mind that you've wanted to hear about that we haven't already done a show on, uh, definitely suggest it to us. Even if you don't want to um, join our Discord, if you want to just shoot us a message, we're always looking to add to our uh, – um, our uh, our list of uh, potential shows, um, you know, because the last thing we want is to be, uh, you know, struggling to find a uh, topic for that week. So we always try to keep our our list of topics pretty deep, like at least a couple months. So if you suggest something, uh, it might not uh, be for a couple months, but definitely, I mean. I'm pretty sure we've done uh, nearly every single uh, suggestion we've given, uh, been given, we've done. So uh, if you suggest it, there's a really high chance that we're going to do it eventually. So um, definitely uh, keep that in mind. Just uh, also keep in mind, if we've already done the show, uh, that we probably won't unless it's been so long that, uh, you know, it, it has changed enough that it might be relevant to revisit the topic. But uh, just go check out um, our any our show on any one of those platforms, and see if uh, maybe there's a show that uh, that you missed um, that's uh, about the topic that you want to hear. So uh, again, thank you all so much uh, for listening to us, and uh, we'll definitely see you next week, Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central uh, Standard Time. And this is uh, Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.